Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. steadfast under trials. When things are put in our way and life seems tough, how do we stay consistent? How do we make ourselves stay the same when we're standing on solid ground, when everything's shaking around us? How do we not change in our faith, in the way we live? Tim talked a couple of weeks ago about staying about from the first start of James chapter one. I am going to continue through James chapter one. Right. <laughs> Next slide, please. <laughs> this is going to be one of those days where I am put under trial to see how steadfast I should stay. Apparently, you can find it. No, it's there. <laughs> And it's not coming up. Um, what have you done? Okay, I'm going to read the passage while the technical team try and work out how to get it onto the screen. Yeah. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's see if this works now. So, to start with, I'm just going to narrow in on these very few words for when he has stood the test. Because there's a lot of stuff going on in this passage, and a huge amount of it comes out of the context for what was meant with this. The Greek word used here for testing is a very specific word that is dokimos. And it refers to when someone tested a coin in the market to see if it was false or real. This dokimos testing was a very specific word that everyone at the time would have instantly associated with testing of coins to see if they were real or fake. Who remembers our good old friend, the pound coin, old style? <laughs> Who remembers trying to use one as a self-serve machine and getting it rejected? Yeah. About one in 30 of these was fake, apparently. And what the self-serve machines in the shops would do is dokimos. They would test them and determine if they were real or fake. Now, as you may be able to guess, 2,000 years ago, they did not have self-serve machines to do this testing for them. Would have been perhaps useful, but 
Instead, there would be a respected person and trusted person in the marketplace. To, so when there was a dispute, the coins would be brought to this person and he would test them. He would inspect them, he would do weights, he would measure, he would analyse. And in the most extreme cases, he would take a chisel and hammer through the coin to see what the inside was. Because the most common type of fake coin is you get a cheap metal and then you wrap it in a thin layer of, the val of silver or gold and then you stamp it with the coin mark. So the only way to be sure if it was real or not is to cut through it and see what's inside under the surface. Yes. For, so if they're badly made, Alan, you can tell from the weight. But if the coins are, if the fakes are made well, and the weight seems the same, and the outside looks the same, the only way to be sure is to get into the inside and see what's at the centre. So this, when he has stood the test, refers to us being tested in this way, this inspection of our very core and what we can find there. The people reading this letter that James wrote might have understood verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains unchanging under trial, for when he has been shown not to be false, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. When I was looking through this and trying to get my head around all of this passage, I read a commentary that pointed out that at the first bit of James, you've got verses 1 to 4, and then James kind of goes on a sidetrack and starts talking about something else for 5 to 11, and then comes back to his original idea. So verse 12 is actually a continuation from verse 4. So this passage goes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Do you see how those flow into each other? We've got testing, which builds steadfastness, and steadfastness needs to grow in us. And when steadfastness is complete, we will pass the test. This is a single flowing thought. The word test in verse 3 is the same concept, same Greek word as is used in verse 12. It's this same, when you have passed this dokimos testing of your faith, you produce steadfastness. So what is steadfastness? Steadfastness is consistency. Steadfastness is an unchangingness. What James is talking about is when you find yourself tested, does your, the way you behave change under the test? When you find yourself in a situation where you know there is a choice that you are making, does the choice you make depend on what you're, who's around you? It can be really easy sometimes to be a surface level Christian. To come to church, to raise your hands during the songs, to say a simple prayer during the reflection, to 
greet each other and go, oh yes, I've been really blessed, Jesus, and then go home and not think about God for the rest of the week. Really easy sometimes. That is not steadfastness. That is not consistency. That is having a thin layer painted over you that looks righteous, but on the inside there is nothing. There's a lot of Sundays where I come to church with just a thin coating on because I don't want to have to show what's really inside me that Sunday. Sometimes I'm too tired, sometimes I'm scared, sometimes I'm just really struggling and I don't want to have to deal with people knowing that. And then I'll go home and I'll try and get on with my week and there'll be this little bit of me going, You're not living right, Tim. You are not being steadfast here. You are not being consistent in your behavior. It would be much better to be, show a cop, for a copper coin to be copper all the time than for it to have a thin coating of silver on the surface and be discarded later. Be real with each other. Be steadfast. It doesn't matter what you're made of in this. It matters that you're made of the same thing throughout. That what is in your life is on the surface of your life. I want you to think about what do you show when you find yourself tested? Does, do your words match your actions? Do your, does what you would do in a Sunday match what you would do down the pub on a Friday night? Does what you do in the pub down on a Friday night match what you do at work on Monday morning? What do people see when they look at you? And does that change? But remember this. The Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks to the heart. It does not matter what surface I show to you on a Sunday morning because God knows what I'm really made of. It doesn't matter how much I front or fake. God knows what I'm bringing into here every Sunday morning. He knows what I'm taking home with me. But I don't want you to be discouraged by this or because there are two things I want you to bring to your attention here. From One from this passage in James and one is just a solid truth that we need to cling to. The first is if we are struggling with steadfastness, James teaches us that testing increases our steadfastness. As we face tests, we can grow, becoming more consistent. Every time we face that choice and go, am I going to be real or not in this decision? We grow a little bit more. We become more aware of who we are in God, of what our character is. Every single test is an opportunity for the coating of righteousness we put on to sink deeper, to become more of us. And this is the second thing I want to remind you of. And this is by far the most important thing that I'm going to say this morning. And if you take nothing else, I want you to get this one point. When we come to heaven, we will not be tested. God has already 
tested us through Jesus. Jesus has been pierced through to the core and inspected to his very depths. And that is what God will look at when we get to heaven if we believe in Jesus. It does not matter whether or not we are steadfast in the testing we face in this life when it comes to our salvation because our salvation does not depend on how we have lived our salvation depends on one thing and one thing only and that is that we believe that Jesus has passed the test for us so that we don't have to there is no test that you can fail that will overwrite the Jesus passing that test for us Okay, so that's verse 12 covered, and that took about 12 and a half minutes, so maybe I'll try and speed up a little bit. But If you take nothing else, remember that point. We are tested in life, but in eternity, Jesus has taken the test for us, and he has passed it. But if Jesus has already passed the test, then what is the point of testing us? What, it, why should we care that we can grow in steadfastness through testing if the testing doesn't matter when, when it, we get to heaven? And the reason, first, let's talk about why we, what testing is and why we get tested. Testing, we find in verse 13, is temptation. Temptation is not from God. James is very clear about this. Testing and temptation, temptation to do evil, temptation to sin, do not come from God. It is not possible. And let me make it very clear why it is not possible that God can test us with evil. Because God is perfect. And it is not possible for a foul thing to come out of perfection. If you have a bag of pure flour and you pour it out, it is not possible for something other than flour to come out of that. It is not possible for what comes out of God to be impure. And I'm just going to reiterate the point. God has no need to test us. God has no need to put evil in our way to see if we can overcome it because God already knows the outcome of our existence. If we have Jesus, if we are, have put our faith in him, then there, the testing is irrelevant to God because God knows that when we come to be judged, it's Jesus who's going to face the test for us. So God has no need to test us with evil because God already knows what the outcome is. But when we are tested with evil, when we are tempted, that is the world tempting us. Because the world doesn't know what God knows. And the world wants to know where we stand. The world wants to, the devil and the world want to find out are you actually in God? Do you really have Jesus all the way to your core? Or is it just a thin layer that can be peeled off and you can be, can I drag you back? That's what the world wants to know. The world is desperate 
to keep us. To keep us away from God, to keep us out of heaven. I want you to consider this example. Heaven is the end destination of a one-way train ride. Jesus is our ticket there. But that ticket is no good if we get distracted by the band playing outside the train station and we miss the train. A train ticket is no good to you if you miss the journey. And the world is desperate for us to miss that train to heaven. And everything that gets thrown at us, every temptation to sin, comes from the devil's desire to keep us from getting on that train to heaven. And it does, we have Jesus. We have our ticket. We, all we have to do is get on and get to heaven. That's it. But the world doesn't want that. And so it tempts us with sin. It tempts us with desire. It tempts us with anything it can to get us to walk away from the station. This is what James talks about when he says, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. Because this, the consequences of giving in to sin, is a permanent death. It is losing our way. salvation rooted in us when we accept Jesus from the very outside of our being to the very core Jesus has replaced everything in us when we get to heaven but right here right now we're stuck in between we have the spiritual being of God and we have the physical being of the world and that physical being is really, really quite happy to ignore the spiritual being of God and go, you know what, I don't want to be nice to that person. You know what, I could use the extra money I'd get if I cheated this game or ignored that person in need. So when we find ourselves tempted, what we need to do is we need to align ourselves with the spiritual being that we are, not the physical one. Mm. I want to talk about a type of testing and temptation that God does do. Because as I was reading this, and I read, God does not tempt us, I realized that God does not tempt us to evil, but he does tempt us. He tempts us to do good. He tempts us to serve our neighbor. Who's had that little voice that goes, I should talk to that homeless person or I should buy some extra food and put it, put it in the food bank in the shop. Who's had that little voice that says, I should give that person a call and check that they're alright? And who's ignored that little voice? God tempts us constantly to do good. But why? But why would he tempt us to do good if he doesn't knows that our salvation is secure? 
Why would he test us with chances to do good? Because testing leads to steadfastness. So every time we are tempted to do good and we give in to that temptation, we grow in steadfastness. We grow in consistency when we do good, just like we grow in consistency when we resist evil. And the two work together. So every time you give in and you do good, it becomes easier to not do evil the next time. Because you become more aligned with God. And every little step, do a good thing, don't do a bad thing, do a good thing, don't do a bad thing. Every single one of these tests brings us more steadfastness, more consistency, brings us more in line with the Spirit of God. God wants us to step out, to do the embarrassing or the awkward or the uncomfortable or the dangerous because it teaches us to grow in him, to be more aligned with him, to resist evil more. Because every good thing we do makes us a little bit purer and every bit of purity we have makes it a little bit easier to resist evil. Why does that matter? Why does it matter if we're good? Because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. From the Father of lights, who of his own will brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. It matters when we do good, and it matters when we don't do evil, because we are the ambassadors and the representatives of the kingdom of God. We are the display piece that God has put on earth to show what he is worth. The first fruits of the harvest are what we would take to the temple to go, God, this is what my property is worth. This is what... I have produced of value. This is the quality of my work. That is what the first fruits are. And if we are God's first fruits, then we are God's message to the world going, this is the quality of life, the quality of people that I produce. And yes, the quality of people God produces starts as broken, needy, desperate people. But that's why we grow in steadfastness. Because as we change and become more consistent, the world looks on and sees that transformation in us. Do you want to be transformed? Do you want to have people look at you and go, I can see what that you have changed. Tell me why. That's what God is after. God is after us to be visible in our difference. So that people look at us and go, I will need to understand the blessing that is on you, the change that has come to you. We are the first fruits of God. We are his display piece to the world. You still with me? There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people around us right now who are in desperate need 
who are scared, who are vulnerable, who are having to cut themselves off from everyone that they know because they want to protect them. We have such an opportunity right now to be the first fruits this passage talked about, to be, show a consistency of love to the people around us. We have such an opportunity to do good right now. Go to your neighbours, go to your friends, go to that old woman that you've seen emptying her bin as you walk to work. And offer to help, not because it it serves you, but because it will bless them. That is what we are called to. Time and again throughout the Bible we are called to care for the vulnerable and the needy. And this passage is telling us, here is a test right now. There is a trial on this world right now. But there is such a challenge to the church being thrown in our face going, how are you going to help if everything shuts down? If everyone is shut down and locked out and there is no supplies, there is no society, if people are struggling financially because work has stopped, how are you going to help? We have a chance right now to be steadfast in goodness. Are you going to?